We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek Ciapala with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower. Folks, we have a special guest today from the LA Daily News, Vincent Bonsignore. I hope I got that right. I never get it right. But anyways, he's also the Rams NFL insider for LA AM 570 Sports. Folks, I talked to him earlier today. We're going to go ahead and cut to the interview and we'll be back with Norm to talk it through. All right, we are here with Vinny Bonsignor. I, I, he just coached me on it, and I hope I got it right. The L.A. Rams NFL columnist for, Daily, for the Los Angeles Daily News and the NFL insider for L.A.'s AM570. Vinny, how are you today? I'm doing good. I was, I was like, I was like Sean McVay there, uh, coaching, coaching you on a, uh, on a, like a three-step drop, uh, to Jared Goff. So, uh, you did good. We gotta keep working on it a little more, but, but you're getting there. Well, I felt more like Kenny Britt dropping a pass. Oh, I felt like, gosh. We wanted to talk to you about a few things, in particular what we saw over the weekend in terms of the narrative about you know, the Rams in Los Angeles, the articles like, you know, the Fox ad for actors serving as Rams fans. So I guess what we really want to know, what is the truth in relation to the national narrative in the NFL in Los Angeles? Is the city well, hopping uh, on with the Rams? Yeah, a um, couple of different ways to approach that. Number one, uh, the whole nonsense about the casting call, which is just pure laziness, and I'm going to call it for what it is, uh, on the quote-unquote 
reporting because obviously there was no reporting. It was just people piggybacking on, you know, complete and utter nonsense and not doing their jobs, which is usually entails when there's a question, hey, pick up your phone, text your sources, get to the bottom of things. And one of the uh, aspects of that, number one, you know, there were national media, and I use that term loosely, uh, were trying to say that or imply that there weren't enough Ram fans to attend the game or, or to com- show their support during the Fox pregame show. That wasn't the case. What they were trying to do was get a head count on who was going to be there. Um, and it wasn't a paid gig, so nobody was going there to get paid to be a, you know, a Ram fan, mm-hmm. number one. Uh, they also uh, asked for, if people would have just read the captain call, they also asked for Philadelphia Eagle fans. They wanted an equal amount of Ram fans and Eagle fans so that both teams were, were represented. It's common when these live audience broadcasts uh, happen to call out for a casting call, you know, for, for audience members, just so you know for sure that you're going to have the appropriate amount of people. It was mostly people that were, or maybe even exclusively people that already had tickets to the game and were going to be there anyway. They just needed to get their hand band, wristband, uh, to be able to attend. That's number one. Number two, what was really galling was that somebody implied, or a couple of people implied, um, publications that free tickets to the game <laughs> were associated with that. So that's the part that really got me because of, like, you didn't think as a reporter, and I use that term loosely, to maybe think to yourself, that kind of sounds a little weird. This is the hottest ticket in Los Angeles in decades for an NFL game. Somebody's actually going to give free tickets, and all you have to do is show up to be an extra on this pregame show, and you get tickets to the hottest ticket in, 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 in town for free, that doesn't sound right. Let me call somebody to find out if that's the case or not. Obviously, it wasn't. The Rams had to turn people away at that game. We all know that they have that 65,000-seat capacity. There's a little wiggle room to go up to about 67 or 70. They were turning people away uh, that were requesting tickets to buy tickets for that game. So, no, there were no free tickets. How about calling somebody to figure that out? And I know that I'm on my soapbox here, but I'm going to continue for a second or two. Because had I reported that, or a reputable Los Angeles media member had reported that free tickets were involved in this casting call for, you know, uh, audience members, my editor would have called me in the office, and rightfully so, and said, you didn't think to maybe call somebody to confirm whether those were tickets to the actual game? Or were the, or, or was it just for tickets for the, for the event, which that's what, what it was. So I hold myself, you know, I make mistakes, everyone does, but I hold myself accountable and to a standard where, hey, if there's any question, I'm going to make sure I get to the bottom of it. It really upsets me when others don't do that and don't hold themselves accountable and then don't even correct it when it's pointed out. That's what happened. Uh, that was a narrative uh, on that that somebody tried to create. It was completely false and ridiculous. Um, as far as your original question about is Los Angeles, you know, supporting the Rams or coming around to the Rams, yeah, uh, and it's going to take time. And it's the same with the Chargers as well. Uh, I'm confident that both teams are going to be fine over the course of years. And you have to understand this is a 30-year proposition and beyond for both of these teams. They're committed to being in Los Angeles. They're committed, and they know that, look, Who's our, who's, who do we really need to target here? Yes, of course, the buying customers, paying customers right now, but there's middle school kids, there's elementary school kids, like my son, who they're all at the schools and out there trying to make that connection because that's the future. That's who's really going to be their base over the, over the course of years. When it comes to the Rams, there's a big, strong foundation of Rams fans that, for whatever reason, stuck with them when they moved to St. Louis. I was here when that happened. I've had friends that... And there was no right 
or wrong way to approach this. There were a friend, many friends of mine just kicked them to the curb. They were like, the heck with that. I'm not going to support a team that just left my city to go to St. Louis. I'm never going to utter their name again. Some of them have come back now, uh, <laughs> you know, now that they're back. But there were others who said, you know what? It doesn't really change maybe my watching habits that much. I went to a few games a year. That's a part that I'm going to miss. But basically, I watched them on TV anyway. They're my team. I can't just kick them to the curb right now. I'm going to stick with them. I know it's kind of weird because they're in St. Louis. I'm in Los Angeles, but I'm going to I'm going to stick with them. And there was a strong base of those fans remained, and we're praying and upon upon praying upon praying that someday some some miraculous miracle was going to happen where the Rams would come back, which is exactly what happened, and they're here. But for the, the key for the Rams is to build on that because there's a lot of people. You have to understand, and I know you do, but, you know, for your listeners, 22 years went without the NFL here. I kind of – I'll bring it – Kobe Bryant is a perfect example. You know, there were Rams fans who got mad at him because he's a Philly fan through and through, the type of fan that literally will sit on a couch and if the team is doing well will not move because he thinks he has some sort of control if, his, if he moves over to the other side of the couch that he's going to – you know, ruin the momentum. He's that kind of a fan when it comes to the Eagles. And there were Ram fans that were upset that he went to go talk to the Eagles in Anaheim uh, this week or last week during practice when, look, Kobe's entire stay in Los Angeles, there was no NFL team here. He began his career without a team and ended his career without a team. What do you expect? You know, he, he stuck with his team. There was no local team for him to, to grab onto. And a lot of kids went from birth to adulthood in that same exact situation. And so they became fans of the Cowboys or the Steelers or the Giants or whoever to immediately ask them to kick the team that they grew up rooting for by only because there was no other team here in Los Angeles to, to root for, to expect them to just immediately turn on their team to start rooting for the Rams, I think is a bit, you just can't expect that to happen overnight. It's going to be a gradual process. But I will say this, I've got a lot of friends of mine just during the Saints game, I was getting texts from friends. My brother, I'll give you an example. My brother, mm-hmm. huge, huge New York Giants fan. That's his team. Okay, He texts me and he says, you know what? I don't like have rooting for the Rams, but more and more I feel myself rooting for the Rams. It's the weirdest thing in the world. What should I do? I'm like, you know what? Go for it. They're the local team here now. You know, If, if that's where if your attention's going and that's where your heart's taking you, then go for it. I had a Miami Dolphins fan, a good friend of mine, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, mm-hmm. asking the same question. He said, is it wrong that I'm kind of thinking about adopting now the Rams and jumping off the Dolphins bandwagon to go for the Rams? I'm like, no, not at all. They're here. They're a good, young, exciting team. Why not? So I think you're going to see that more and more as well. So we'll see. I think they've got a good, strong base, but it's just a base. They have to build on that, and that takes time. Now, the overall national narrative, now just our staff here is – we're everywhere. We have people out there in Southern California. We have our co-owners in Oregon. I'm in Ohio. We have a guy in New York City who writes and covers the team. So we see a lot of the national narrative. And from day one, we've seen the national media just kind of crapping on the Rams, just kind of – I know that's a bit of a yucky term. But overall, that's what it's been in terms of L, not just the Rams, but L.A. Will L.A., with all the competition that's out there, support the NFL long term? to high success. For anyone that that actually questions that, I would just refer them to the standings for the NHL, for the NBA, Mm -hmm. for Major League Baseball, and just go right to the Dodgers, the Angels, the Clippers, even the Clippers, the Lakers, obviously, and the Kings, okay? And just for, you know, for the sake of curiosity, 
just look at what they attend, what, what their attendance figures are, and in relation to their leagues. If they're not, if 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 everyone but the Clippers, I think the Clippers for a while now have been right in that top ten, or at least top, you know, twelve or so. All of them are. Every single one of them, from the Angels to the Dodgers to the Lakers to the Kings, are among the most supported teams in their respective sports. And you can also throw the Anaheim Ducks in there. So win or lose, the Dodgers are drawing 3 million fans. Win or lose, 90, winning 90 games, losing 90 games. The Angels are going to draw close to 300, 3 million fans or even above. The Lakers always sell out. The Clippers have been on a sellout streak for years now since they've turned the corner. It helped them getting to Staples Center. So it only stands to reason that the NFL team and now teams that are here in Los Angeles over the years are going to create that stronghold as well and be just as well supported as, as the others. They're not going to be the Lakers overnight. Nobody is. I mean, the Lakers are the – they are even more so, I think, anyway, than the Dodgers because – there's no other – or well, there is an NBA team. But the Dodgers have the Angels in Orange County. That's more of Orange County's team. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of Angel fans that aren't Dodger fans. There's, you know, some Clipper fans that obviously hate the Lakers. But by and large, everybody in Los Angeles loves the Lakers. That's the one unifying team that I think is, is here. So you're not going to challenge that anytime soon. It's going to take a while before the Rams ever they, – they gave that up when they left 22 years ago. But over time, yes, absolutely, they're going to be supported. There's no question about that. You make a great point. Look at all the, the population, you know, look at the uh, the attendance. And the, I can go back 10 years, and the only professional team in the area that I saw really struggle was Chivas. And, and Chivas is pretty much run by, well, we know who they were run by. So right. you make a, a great point on that. To us, at least, it seems like the national media holds Los Angeles to a different standard than we would anywhere else. An example I used a few a few months ago in, in one of our podcasts was the Yankees saw an attendance dip after their last World Series victory when they moved into the new, new Yankee Stadium. When we saw other teams, when they, when they go downhill, attendance goes away. Why is L.A. expected to just have people dump their money on a team that does not produce winning seasons every year, year in and year out. If the Yankees can see a dip, if the Indians can see a dip, if other teams can see a dip, why is L.A. held to a different standard? It's a great question. As it relates to the NFL, I think that there was not going to be expansion, okay? Any team that was going to to come to Los Angeles or, or emerge in Los Angeles was going to be a transplant from another city. They weren't going to expand the current you know, amount of teams. There are two uh, teams that make up all the divisions. It's, it's, it works out perfectly as a 32-team league for the NFL. So that meant that somebody was going to have to move here, right? I think that if you talk to fans from St. Louis, obviously, Oakland, San Diego, you know, and across the league probably maybe, that were paying attention to the NFL's quest, if you want to call it that, to get back to Los Angeles, I think that naturally what what arose from that in some cases was, why is everyone bending over backwards to go to Los Angeles? You know, why you're going to rip out a team from another city to, to put into Los Angeles? That sucks, you know? And, and why Los Angeles? Why does Los Angeles get deferential treatment like that, preferential treatment uh, like that? So I think that there was a natural animosity maybe that was created. And then obviously when you talk to fans in St. Louis and San Diego, in their hearts and in their minds, they were part of 
the reason why their teams moved was indirectly an indictment on them for not supporting their teams, right? So they were going to look at it and, and scrutinize everything that happened in Los Angeles because they wanted to defend their honor, and I get that, and I totally mm-hmm. understand that. So, you know, you have that. There's also, having lived here in Los Angeles for as long as I have, you know, I don't want to call it jealousy. I don't know what the term for it is. I just don't. But there's something out there that's anti-Los Angeles. So it's an easy target. we got the great weather. People want to move here. People leave cities around the country for the warm weather here in Los Angeles. So, so there's also that. It's Hollywood. you got to um, be honest, too. And you got the good-looking girls. You gotta, you and I was going to say that, but I didn't know if this was, you know, what, what uh, rating we were on. But, but yeah, <laughs> there's, there's the beautiful girls. There's every, you know, but, you know and, and I'll tell you this. You get that from San Francisco and the Bay Area all mm-hmm. the time. You know, the way they look at us like that. And then you also get it from San Diego looking up towards Los Angeles. The funny thing is we look at San Diego like, who wouldn't like San Diego? Everybody loves San Diego. It's completely reversed when it's from San Diego toward Los Angeles. We kind of get the whole San Francisco thing because there's just a little bit of a rivalry between NoCal and, and, and SoCal, and, and it's all good. Uh, I think it's more anger coming from the north to the south and the south to the north, but that's just my observation. But I guess to answer your question, we're an easy target. We were primed in this situation to be the bad guy. Think about it. You know, other cities had to pay for their stadiums to keep their teams. Oakland, or excuse me, uh, Las Vegas is forking over $700 million the state of Nevada to, to get the Raiders. We didn't lift. We didn't spend one penny to get the Rams or the Chargers, for that matter. It was all paid for by Stan Kroenke. So there's that that goes along with it. So that adds to the scrutiny, and I think that that's just something that the Rams are going to have to deal with. The Chargers, I think, have a different set of, you know, a different situation that they that they have to deal with. But you're just on a weekly basis, if there's one empty seat in the house, it's going to be looked at from everyone else in the country or people that have agendas or motivations for this to fail, whatever the mo- whatever where, whatever position that they're coming from, they're going to jump all over it, whether it's TV ratings or the attendance. And, and I guess we're all just going to have to deal with it. I think that it would that it will at some point die down, but it's not happening overnight. That's for sure. Now you you mentioned all these other factors. One factor that one of our staff members brought up was also in terms of attendance. The game experience at the Memorial Coliseum is is not NFL level. It's you know the games are expensive, tailgating is expensive. It's crammed. It's not an NFL stadium. Uh, would you agree with that? And do you think we'll see this huge difference once this team plays in Inglewood? I love the Coliseum. You know, I've seen some huge games at the Coliseum from you know USC against Notre Dame, where mm-hmm. it's like electric. When you get, it's not the and people need to understand this. It's not the actual just attending the game or being in your seat to watch the game, even though we all know that it's not as comfortable there as it is at some of these new stadiums. But even that part of it is not the bad part of it. When you go into the concourse, and there's two levels of concourse, one that's really small, one main one. I mean, think about that. You go to Dallas, like every level pretty much has a concourse to itself. There's ample restrooms. There's ample areas to go for food. You can get food at your at your seat. There's great scoreboards. It's easy to get into the stadium or much easier to get into the stadium. None of those are happening at the Coliseum. So last year, and and I have to tell your listeners this, even when the Rams were getting 90,000 fans last year, and they did early on, when in talking to Rams officials, they were just like, oh, my gosh, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to see 90,000 under the attendance, but this situation is not good. It's not good at all. There's 
a, a level of diminished returns when you go over a certain amount at the Coliseum because the stadium simply isn't built to accommodate that many people, whether you're talking about parking, whether you're talking about concessions, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about four, 45 minutes to go get a beer or to go to the restroom, uh, you're missing an entire quarter sometimes. It's just not a good experience. So this was something that I know the narrative is out there that, oh, the Rams had to drop their seating capacity because the season tickets didn't reflect or, or took a dip, which it did. But if that wasn't the case. This was being talked about from the first week of last season about we have to do something about this. There's no way we can keep, you know, trying to fit 90,000 people in here for all these various reasons. So the Coliseum, for as wonderful as it is, as historic as it is, and it is a place when you walk into that stadium, you feel that history. It's just not a good experience for the contemporary NFL fan, and that's a ch- that's going to be a challenge for, for the Rams because, you know, obviously we know that the stadium was pushed back a year, so they had to mm-hmm. spend one more extra year at the Coliseum. They're just going to have to make the most of it. The good news is, at the end of this season, the major part of the renovations that USC is is doing for the Coliseum, we all know that USC runs the Coliseum now, they have for the last four or five years, is going to lower the capacity it's going to improve the situation because they have, they're dealing with the same issues, obviously, uh, at USC. So it'll be a more pleasant experience, you know, beginning next year. But it's just not a good experience, especially when you go over a certain limit of people. Now, one more question just kind of about the move and the narrative and so on and so forth. And it's been kind of something that we've been formulating over here and just talking about on our side is that, you know, the Rams came over. They started off 3-1 last year. It's their first year back. They're getting 90,000 fans. However, everything falls apart. Did the Rams really kind of blow their return back, at least for the, that time being, by, well, being horrible to watch? Oh, there's no question that they lost momentum. They just handed it right back. And I had many, many fans. And then, you know, listen, they did all their research after the season. You know, when ticket holders, season ticket holders are declining to renew, of course they're going to try to find out, well, what's the reason why? How come? You know, and, and they got a variety of answers. One was, wow, I waited 22 years for that. No, thank <laughs> you, man. I'm not, thank you, but check out, check you out later. Another was, that was really a bad team that you put out there. And on top of that, and your stadium, that stadium situation is bad. Listen, I'm not entirely writing you off, but I'm going to wait for this new stadium to open, and hopefully you get better in, in that period of time, and let's talk again. Now, obviously, there was a lot of fans that still stuck it out, and there was also some fans who said, I, I, I like you, I want to like you. It was a bad experience last year on a lot of fronts. I'll probably come to a game or two this year, but you know what? I'm just not going to I'm not gonna uh, go as so far as to, to get the season tickets but put me on the waiting list for, for the new stadium. There was a lot of people who said, put me on the waiting list for the for the new stadium. Hopefully you get your act together by the time that opens up. But I just can't. I'm not going to deal with the Coliseum. I'm not going to deal with the traffic. I'm not going to deal with all of the, the nuances there. But now, had they gone 12 and Four last year, or 12, uh, yeah, twelve and four last year, and, and you know made a run in the playoffs. I think you would have seen less of some of those categories, and more people willing to, to to stick with it even during these years at the Coliseum. But I think you still would have had people who, because of the Coliseum experience, no, no, thank you. You know, especially you got to understand that there's a lot of high end fans here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. I mean, that's the case anywhere, but especially here. Yeah, okay? especially in LA. Sure, and, and so. And if you notice, you can see where those pockets of seats have gone vacant because those kind of fans were like, where's the club, man? Where's the restaurant? Where's the bar? 
because you see that everywhere else. I'm sure you guys have traveled around. Sure. You see that um, at the newer, sta- especially at the newer stadiums. There's a place to go hang out. There's a place to chill. There's there's great food options. You know, that's what those fans want. And you know what? Rightfully so. They're paying a crap load of money to come to these games. You don't want to just sit in the sun for three hours. You want an experience. And whether that's right or wrong, obviously it's changed over the years. We didn't see this 20 years ago, but we do now. And so they lost a lot of those type of fans as well. I do think that those fans will be the first back in line when the new stadium opens because it's going to be a spectacular venue. So you'll get that back, and I think with the Rams playing well, and if, they, if that continues, you'll get a lot of more of the marginal fans. You'll just it'll, it'll just make for a better situation. But to answer your question, yes, they they, they stubbed their, so, their their toes majorly last year and lost a lot of momentum as a result. Well, let's well let's get to the meat of it now, though. This this team right now nine and four. Well, first thing I want to ask, is this an aberration or is this team built to last? Well, I, I don't think there's any question that it's built to last. And I think that you have, when you talk, when I talked to Rams people back in February, March, I mean, there was a, whether you want to call it keeping their fingers crossed, saying prayers to the football gods, whatever, however you want to couch it. But there was this, we need, and we're hoping that our coach is a home run hire and this quarterback is a home run quarterback because you put a young quarterback like Jared Goff and a young dynamic coach like Sean McVay together, and that's a home run in bo- on both ends. When you have that going for you, who's better set up for the next 10 years than having that kind of a situation when you throw in the, the, the market that you're playing, when you throw in the new venue that you're playing in, when you throw in all the off-field possibilities that are out there from a marketing standpoint. If you have a good young coach and a great young quarterback in place, that sets you up pretty well. And lo and behold, as we look back now in December, looking back to February when that was the hope and the prayer, it looks like that that's the case. And why wouldn't you, if you're, as long as they continue to draft well, and I think they will, as long as you, you know, keep that offensive line going. But think of it this way. If you're an offensive player that's a agent, let's say, and I'm not talking about, you don't have to go get Shaquille O'Neal or Kobe Bryant, but just mm-hmm. the good players that are out there. That if it's a tie, there's tiebreakers. There always is when it comes to players. Usually it goes to the most money, but there's a lot of cases where the money is the same. So if there's a tiebreaker involved, hey, a great young coach who's going to creative, who's going to put me in great positions to succeed, a good young quarterback, Los Angeles, that's going to tend to tilt the advantage in the Rams' direction. So I do think that they're built uh, for the long haul. Uh, you know, and, and, and I think the reason for that is Goff and Sean McVay. Well, you, you have to understand there, there's going to be some, I guess, fear, I guess, some lack of trust. Just so This is a team that had, I want to say, one, two, since 1990. This is the 1999, 2000, 2001, 2003, now 2017. That is five winning seasons since 1990 been through a lot of bad football and there's been hope before back in 2010 when they bring him to Bradford there's hope they compete for division title that year next year things fall apart 2012 it's hope again and now here we are the team that's nine and four they look great but then you also look at the roster right now you know Whitworth he's getting up there John Sullivan we saw some of his weaknesses last weekend against you know Fletcher, uh, Fletcher Cox and you know the corner situation here is a little dicey and there's a lot of contracts that are coming up that need to be dealt with. So what's the path now for the Rams in order to make sure that everything you're saying here pans out the way we all hope it will? Well, I think that there's a, a confidence in how their their money is structured or their or their salary cap is structured moving forward. They're going to have the flexibility to make the moves 
and keep the players that they want. And I think that there's always, look, your quarterback who he's got, what, three more years left? You don't have to make a move on him for a little while. So that's, that's always going to eat a lot of your, a lot of your uh, salary cap space. They're in a good position right there. I'm not that worried about that. I think that look at the when you look at the Patriots. Does anyone ever think about their salary cap? What was the last time you ever thought about the the Patriots salary cap? Oh, I've never thought. I've never at all been concerned about the Patriots salary cap ever. Exactly. That's what. That's the power of having two of the biggest issues taken care of, and and the Rams do think that their those issues are taken care of. And I I have to. I, I agree with that. I think golf. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but I'm, 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 I, I think that he's going to be – he is the franchise quarterback that we're hoping for. I think they'll manage around him and the coach and, and, and make the necessary moves. I do believe that left need and the combination of him and, and McVay will find the necessary talent to build around the pillars you know, that they have. Is it a challenge? Nobody keeps everybody. The Patriots don't keep everybody. Mm-hmm. You have to make the right decisions. It's all, t- you know, timing on who to let go at this point and who to bring in here and, and, and that type yeah. of thing. But I think that when you have your quarterback and you have a coach and you have a vision and you have a plan, and I think that the Rams, believe it or not, and I know that Rams fans who have suffered for a long time question that or are skeptical of that or are worried about that, but I do believe that there is a plan in place. And I think that the other part of it, the other stuff, should take care of itself. I'm not gonna, I wouldn't worry too much about the salary cap and who are we going to keep and all of that. I think, I think that will sort itself out. I think the important thing is you have a quarterback and you have a good young coach who's, where is he going? Where do you go from the Los Angeles Rams? Uh, broadcasting or w- w- if everything is working out well, I don't think there's any fear of him leaving. So he has a chance to be here a long time and be that pillar that you need from that position. That's what we're hoping for. That's what, we're, that's what we're, we've been living for a long time. And again, you're talking to some of the uh, the more grizzled fans who've been through all. You know, gee, I wonder how much of my hair has gone gray because of it. You know, what Robert Quinn told me the other day, and I was asking him about. I was asking him what were, what were we talking about. It. Oh, it was after the New Orleans Saints game, and I, you know, I just wanted to ask him, hey, does this feel good? after what happened last year when they hung, you know, what, 40-some-odd points on you or running trick plays at the end. And he looked at me, and it was, it was almost like he barely even remembered. And he's like, you know what, man? He goes, you know what the good thing is about last year? I'm like, what? It's last year. It has nothing, nothing that happened with the Rams last year, the year before, the year before that, and certainly not the, since, 20, you know, 2003, has anything to do with what's going on with this regime, with this head coach, with this quarterback, with this running back. Uh, with Aaron Donald, none of that has anything to do with that anymore. It's all about looking forward. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm just telling Rams fans that, yeah, you're always, as a fan, worried about something. Sure. You know, you want it to sustain. You want it to get better. You don't want the other shoe to fall in any form or fashion. I'm sure Patriot fans think the same way. And I don't know why, but they probably do. Don't worry about what's happened in the past. This is, to me, a team that's situated pretty well for the future. And I think that really good days or ahead for this bunch. Well, that, I guess that leads me to one more question, and, that, and I know you got to go. I know you, you, we both, I, we talked earlier, have some plans here <laughs> with our little ones. So that leads us to this weekend. This weekend is essentially looking like it's for the NFC West title. What do you expect out of the Rams this weekend? I expect their, their best foot forward. Um, I, I like their response in the locker room uh, Sunday. I haven't been able to talk to the players yet. We'll see them tomorrow. I liked their response to what happened. It was a bitter. They, there's no question that they were frustrated. They they knew that it was 
essentially a self-inflicted wound. All of their losses this year have essentially have been the same, have followed the same kind of formula. You know, even the Vikings game, I know it looked bad at the end, but they were right there uh, for the most part. If Cooper Cup doesn't fumble at the one yard line, who knows what where that game, what direction that game takes? I think they're ready for that game. I think they're ready for that game. I think they're a better team. Um, I think everything that they've done thus far, including the experience on Sunday, has prepared them, you know, for this moment. That said, it's a tough place to go play. And Russell Wilson, you really think he's going to throw three interceptions again, like he did Sunday in Jacksonville? You got to figure that he's going to bounce back. But I think they're the better team. Uh, I think they're. I'm not going to say they're the hungrier team, but I think that they feel like they're in the driver's seat here, and all they have to do is take care of business. Uh, they've done an excellent, excellent, excellent job of stopping the bleeding immediately and not letting they they use this term all the time not letting you know one loss turn into two losses they haven't lost two games in a row this year i thought that they were going to win against the eagles i think they should have beaten the eagles i think they're going to win in seattle it'll be a tough game but i think they're going to win in seattle and, and take that two game lead and then you know they got to hang on for the next two games you got the titans coming up and then and then the 49ers with their new young quarterback but i think that you're looking, I think, at, at the NFC West Division champions here. They just have to go take care of business. I think they'll, they'll put their best foot forward on Sunday. Outstanding. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for the. I have actually a million more questions for you, but we hey, both have yeah, lives I'm, to live. I'm, so I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm available if you need it. So okay. I got a few minutes. So well, well, I kind of want to. If it's okay with you, I would like to catch up with you again when the season's over, when we start getting the off season, bring you back on the show. Because some of the things you talked about here in terms of building for the future, I would really like to get into your brain. You know what's going on there. So um, would you be willing to come back? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, man. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a good one, man. You take take care now. See, Norm, you you heard the whole thing there. What are your thoughts on the discussion, especially in terms of the NFL and L.A.? I agree with him on just about everything he said. You know, the whole controversy over uh, paying paying fans to be at the Fox show, that's just a bunch of baloney. You could tell it was from the beginning, and, you know, I agree with everything you said on that. People just are trying to make a bigger deal out of this than it really is. Well, you know, for me, too, I can't help but still harp on the double standard here. There's such a double standard when it comes to the fans in Los Angeles versus anywhere else in the world. And he mentioned how there just is a bias in general. There at least seems to be. Hey, I think you see it when you go to a – a basketball game, you know, in Phoenix, you'll see them holding the Beat LA signs when the Lakers are playing there, or any any kind of sign. There's always a Beat LA sign. There's something about LA. There's something about sports there that I think ticks people off, and I don't know what it is, you know, what the problem is, and he thinks maybe a little bit of jealousy and so on and so forth, but it does bother me a little bit in terms of the bias that we're seeing in the sports media across the country, and, and some of it, I think, emanates a little bit from St. Louis as well. Oh, sure. I agree with you. Uh, St. Louis, I'm sure, has a big part to do with it. As far as the bias goes, you know, I've lived on the West Coast. I've lived on the East Coast. I've lived in New York. You know, you get bias for New York as well. L.A. just has a, a special place in everybody's heart that they want to – they either they either love them or love to hate them. And it is what it is. You know, I, I really don't care what anybody has to say about it. I, I agree with what Irvini said. It is what it is. Well, there was one thing that I thought about as we were talking about just the, the issues in L.A. I kind of took a little bit of time after the interview to, to flesh it out. We mentioned the issues at the Memorial Coliseum and the, the foundation of supporters that are there. I think one thing that's missing is the fans that have been there for 22 years, they got used to every Sunday going off to 
sports bar, you know, Maggie's Pub or a pub like that, to, and all getting together and watching the game as a team, as a group of, of fans. And now all of a sudden, they're asked to pay large amounts of money for tickets uh, to go a game to do the, the tailgate. It's gonna be, it's gonna take some time to break that group of fans out of the mold of of what they were doing before. That became their culture for 22 years. They went to all these pubs and you know these booster club meetings to watch the games for decades. And now all of a sudden the team is home and they gotta re, they gotta rethink it. Another thing too that came to mind as well as I don't know if you saw it, Andrew Whitworth bought an entire elementary school out there in Watts, California, a uh, a bike. Um, did you see that today? No, I didn't. That's cool though. I mean, it's freaking cool. And it's things like that that I think will win the fans over. Those kids are never going to forget that it was a Los Angeles Rams player, a left tackle by the name of Andrew Whitworth, who bought them a bike. He just made a bunch of Rams fans for life right there. And that's the kind of stuff the Rams need to be doing everywhere they go. If they want to build the this team in the future, that get in the schools and work with the kids and build memories with them. And all of a sudden, that Rams team is going to have an entire fan base cheering for them for, for the rest of their lives. Well, if you compare things to like when the Rams moved to St. Louis, they were a new team there with no history there. So they were very popular and everybody was happy to have them and they were very much watched and tickets were sold and things were great. But you brought the Rams back to a city that they left where there were some hard feelings. So you're going to deal with those issues for a long time. But you're right. Players getting involved, being more involved in the public doing things like he did by buying bikes and just becoming part of the city again and becoming part of the culture there, it's going to happen. It's going to build over time. There's no way you can expect the Rams to show up and and just have 90,000 fans show up every week for a game. It's not going to happen unless they're winning, which they're, they're starting to do, and they have an exciting team, which they've got a young, exciting coach and a number one pick quarterback. And, you know, all those things are starting to fall into place. You give it three, four, five years of good, solid football, and the Rams are going to be right back in a city where they're loved again, and, and there's going to be a lot of fans. It's just not going to happen overnight. And people who expect that are out of their minds. Well, it did at first to a degree. You, you know, we mentioned that in, in the conversation when the team first came back. They were putting 90,000 butts in the seats. They were drawing that many. But, you know, the same being what it was, but also, too, they, they couldn't afford to lose. The moment that team went down the tank, now it becomes economics. I didn't wait 22 years for a bad football team to come here and pay large amounts of money. I'm not doing it. And, and I really like the point that he made about that in the conversation, that it's more than just seeing a novelty. They have to earn the right, you know, they have to earn the right to your dollar bill. That's essentially what I got from it. Well, sure. And anybody that expected the Rams to move to L.A. and be awesome their first year back under Jeff Fisher was crazy anyways. We would have been excited if they went an 8-8, and and no one in L.A. was going to be happy with that, and we knew that. And to to go even worse than that, uh, what do you expect? But the team's coming back and playing well. They've got some new and exciting players. They've got guys like Whitworth that are solid individuals that do things like buy bikes. And uh, I really think that you're going to see this team build over the next few years. And by the time they get to the new stadium, uh, you know, everything's probably going to be hunky-dory and everybody's going to be happy. He had very good enthusiasm, I thought, for the future of this team. And, and for the skeptic like me, it made me feel pretty good to know that the guy who's covering that team every day, he's seeing something good there. We're seeing something good there. 
And there's a lot to look forward to. And even, the, even if the team struggles the rest of the way this season, they're going to fix this thing. And I think we're in it for a long haul. He's, he's mentioning 10 years of a team with Jared Goff and Sean McVay. I, I like our chances here. It really was encouraging, though, to hear from the insider point of view out there that, you know, yes, what we're seeing is actually the truth. What, we, what we've seen this year is a good football team, but in the back of our minds, we're like, you know, crap, what the hell, man? What, are we sure this is going to be okay? <laughs> are we living a dream here? Are we really living a dream, or is this a nightmare world just waiting to happen? And having that conversation with him was a little bit refreshing to see that, yeah, even the guy who covers the team is sold on their future, and he's not the skeptic. Yeah, I was impressed with what he had to say, and I agreed with him on most everything. You know, we've got a young quarterback that was drafted number one overall, and he didn't have a real great opportunity last year under Jeff Fisher with a middle school offense. But now you've got a new, young, energetic head coach that's very likable, that's very much perfect for L.A. You've got the young California kid quarterback to go along with it who's starting to remind me of early shades of like a Joe Montana. And you get that combination together and keep that marriage together for, you know, for eight to ten years. I think you've really got something solid there. And then to have probably the nicest stadium and, you know, maybe even in the world being built right there for you, brand new to play in with all the state of the art stuff so that they don't have to go to the Coliseum. It's going to not only draw more fans and more publicity, but it's also going to draw better free agents. Yeah, it will. You start adding all those things up, and I think the future looks very promising for the Rams. And I don't think any of us mean any kind of offense to those people who love the Coliseum. It's just not an NFL venue. It's not what we hope it would be in terms of being an NFL stadium with all the accessories, all the things he talked about. This is good stuff. I think what we're seeing here as we get close to the end of the season here is a Rams team where the future's bright. The future in the city's bright. They just got to keep working at it. And one thing the Rams are very good at, by the way, is community relations. They were great at it in St. Louis. They did a lot of great things with the community in terms of uh, even Joplin, clean up there with the school systems and the city and so on and so forth. So I have no doubt in my mind that the Rams over the course of time are going to win over the city if they do things the right way. Have you ever been to the Coliseum? No, no. I, I you know, not. we drove past it a couple of times when I lived there. Um, but I was so young, and so our, our, us going out there in December 31st for that game against the 49ers, it's my first time. I'm looking forward to it. I hear great things in terms of the, the, the venue that it was, but this will be my first experience going to the venue that it is now. Well, it's, it might as well be my first experience. The last time I went to the Coliseum to watch a football game was in 1970. So man, it, you just you just <laughs> aged yourself. Dude. I know. So it's gonna people be <laughs> it's gonna the be. people listening to this podcast are gonna think you're just just decrepit old man. I am. <laughs> oh, decrepit. But uh, you know, 1970 was the last time I stepped foot in the Coliseum, so it's been a very long time, and I'm excited to see it, even if it is somewhat old and worn down compared to what it used to be. But there's a lot of history there, and honestly, I think it's kind of nice that the Rams are playing there for a couple years just to kind of renew that history and then start anew with uh, the new stadium. I, I think it's a, it's kind of a, to me, it's kind of a storybook kind of thing where they came back home and they started to do well in their old home and now they're moving to their new home. And, you know, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it is too. Just real, real quick. He mentioned one other thing in there. He mentioned Kobe Bryant and that aspect of Kobe Bryant coming out there and playing for the Lakers. And when they got there, when he got there, there was no team. When he left, there was no team. Hence, you know, it's easy to see why he's diehard. 
I understand that. I really do. I guess it does bother me a little bit as a Lakers fan. I get it. Go cheer for the Eagles. But did you have to go give a pep talk to the cities uh, to when they're going to play the city's team now? Ah, geez, that, that, I, you know, I understand his passion for the team. It just kind of bothered me a little bit. I mean, the guy delivered us five titles. I can't complain too much, but. It really doesn't bother me a bit. Yeah, I, and maybe I'm, it's just a little bit. Just a, a tiny bit. Well, I was born in Los Angeles. I'm a Los Angeles Rams fan. I have been my entire life. Uh, I've been a Los Angeles Dodgers fan my entire life. And I moved to Oregon when I was young and became a Trailblazers fan. So everybody's going to boo me for that, I'm sure. But uh, I've never been a Lakers fan, so it really doesn't bother me a bit. Well, it wouldn't bother you, but for me, I'm much more of the, of the, the, uh, the loyalist in terms of that so I mean all my teams are in California the Angels the, the Kings the, the Lakers the Rams even the LA Galaxy so only thing I have in, is <laughs> that's not that is Ohio State and that, so I grew up with all the LA teams and I you know I, that's where I first fell in love with sports was when we were stationed in Long Beach California and, and that included the Rams and that included the Lakers I mean the Showtime Lakers man well, so my it's dad- a little bit different for me. My dad's brother, my Uncle Rick Hightower, so shout out to Uncle Ricky. He is the one who got me onto the Rams when I was young. He was a diehard Rams fan just through and through. I I remember going to his house and visiting and watching Rams games with him with his jersey on and, and just had a blast. And he's the one that got me to fall in love with the Rams. And when the Rams left L.A., he left the Rams. And I never thought I'd see that happen. And when he left the Rams, he went on to be a Chargers fan. And I haven't talked to him yet since this whole thing has happened. And I'm curious to see now that the Chargers are going to L.A. and the Rams have gone back to L.A. If, who's he? Who's he? Who's he with now? So I'm going to have to update you later on that. But, well, it looks like you need to make a phone call, dude. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> he he's the one that got me hooked on the Rams and and got me to be a diehard on him. And you know, like I said, since 1970. It's been so it's been a very long time and I'm looking forward to to seeing the Coliseum again and to experiencing the tailgating and to getting in touch with all the boosters out there and all the tailgaters. And, you know, we're going to be running around and giving away T-shirts and doing all kinds of fun stuff. And I'll have my GoPro camera and we'll be filming people for our site. And it's going to be a blast. And I'm looking forward to that. We've mentioned this a few times, fans, but what's happening is, I don't know if you noticed, the Rams Talk staff here, we are all over the country. We have a writer in New York. We have a writer in, we have a couple writers right there in SoCal. So, you know, we definitely have representation there. Norm's up there in, around the Portland area. I'm in Northeast Ohio. So we are a site that loves the Rams, have loved the Rams for all of our lives. It doesn't matter where they've been, although most of us favor L.A., and we decided that, you know, if we're going to cover this team, we want our owners, our core group, to get out there as well, and not just our writers who cover it every day. So we're going out there. We got tickets. We we got T-shirts. We got you name it. We're bringing it. And we are going to go tailgating for the game on December 31st. So look for us. Look for the names Rams Talk. Look, we'll be we'll be in Apollo shirts. We're going to have. I believe the, we have t-shirts, I think we have some bumper stickers, I think so on that one. Anyways, come ask, come see us, we'll have some trivia questions for you to answer, you, you get them right, you get your chance to ask shirt, we're gonna have a great time. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to the whole experience again. And not only that, but we're gonna go, uh, celebrate New Year's Eve while we're out there, we're gonna, we're gonna head over to the, uh, Stinking Rose and have dinner on uh, New Year's Eve and 
We're going to go get our haircuts at our sponsor at the Golden Ram Barbershop and uh, just have a good old time in L.A. and, and get the whole experience and, and get it all on uh, on film and, and on radio and, and do our podcast live right after the game. And it's, it's exciting. And, and I'm curious to see firsthand what the L.A. experience is right now because I think it will help all of us understand a little bit more what's going on. Sure. And, and at that point of the season – that that game, I mean, when we first bought the tickets, we, we thought, well, it's the last game of the season. It's the 49ers. It's probably not going to be for anything. It's just going to be a game that we're going to go enjoy. And now all of a sudden, with the team 9-4, and four, they go to Seattle and win next week. That 49ers game suddenly becomes very important. And looking forward to the to all the excitement involved with that. It me it means a lot more now than we than we thought it would, and so we're looking forward to it. And so we're we're getting ready here to shut down the podcast, folks. I also, on behalf of Norm, we've had quite a ride. This is our fifth season as a website, our second season with Pod, but our fifth season overall. As we close this season now here in a couple games, we just want to thank you for staying with us. Thank you for you know listening to our podcast, for reading our articles. If you wish to sponsor us, give us an email at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Please go over to iTunes. Give us that wonderful five-star review. Get entered in our contest, and you might just win something. Okay, tomorrow night we'll be with Corbin Smith from Legion of 12 Radio to preview the Seahawks and the Rams for this Sunday. Norm, any last thoughts before we go? No, just having Vinny on there was a quality interview and we really appreciate him coming on board and and speaking with us and obviously he's got a lot of information that a lot of us want and it was real exciting to to have him come on and and speak to us and give us the insider scoop and just very happy that he came on board and and just appreciate it very much all right there you have it for norm hightower this is managing editor Derek c apollo for rams talk radio we'll see you tomorrow night adios control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Championship each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.